to Making Love with your host, Colette Milan. All of us want to be loved. In this show, we'll explore how lovemaking really does make more love in your relationship and how essential real love is to good sex. Tune in for advice on how to become a better lover and how to love sex more. Here is Colette Milan. Hello. Welcome to Making Love Radio. I'm Colette Milan, and I'll be your host. I'm a psychotherapist, marriage counselor, and certified sex therapist. But the most important credential I have is that I've been married for 38 years, and I've experienced firsthand the many challenges that bombard and wear down intimate connection. I've learned how to work through those challenges, how to really unconditionally love, and how to make more love in my relationship through the skills of delicious lovemaking. In this show, I'll explore with you how you can have true love and great sex. In these shows, you will learn how to really love, how to be a better lover, and how to enjoy sex more. You'll see how lovemaking really does make more love in a relationship and how essential real love is to great sex. In today's show, we are going to talk about the transformational power of unconditional love in a couple's relationship. Loving someone just the way he or she is is a radical concept that most of us cannot fathom, let alone actually do. My guest today is Andrea Miller. Andrea is the author of the new groundbreaking book, Radical Acceptance. She is the founder and CEO of Your Tango magazine, the wildly popular online magazine dedicated to love and relationships. She has been featured frequently in the media, including multiple appearances on The Today Show, The Early Show, Better TV, CNN, Fox News, ABC, and radio stations across the U.S., as well as in national publications such as U.S. Today, The Huffington Post, The New York Post, The Los Angeles Times, and Business Week. Andrea, I am so excited to have you on our show today, and I'm particularly excited just to have the opportunity to talk to you. I met you at a recent conference for the Your Tango Writers, and I was excited to meet you because you are the founder and the CEO of Your Tango magazine that has 13 plus million readers a month. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so, I was so excited to meet you. And then at the conference, you were giving a talk about your book. And at first, I wasn't particularly drawn to your book. But then when I started listening to you talk, I thought, I resonate with this woman. I relate to her, (laughs) (laughs) to her challenges and her approach to life. And then I listened more to your message, and I thought, I resonate with her message. In fact, I need her message. I need it right now. (laughs) So I went home and I immediately bought your book. Then I read it and it's a life changer. I've been recommending it to all my family, friends, and clients. It's it's amazing. And it's a handbook. 
Yeah, it, this is a handbook that anyone in a committed relationship needs to have in their hands to remind themselves to stay focused on practicing real love. So there's so mm-hmm. much that our listeners need to know from you about how to navigate a relationship. So let's mm-hmm. begin. Let me let me ask you first of all, what is radical acceptance? Well, first, thank you so much for the incredibly generous and effusive introduction. I feel so, (laughs) I mean, beyond grateful and, in fact, humbled by all that you had to say. And so, um, so thank you. And to the listeners tuning in, it just is so gratifying because this between building your tango as a media company focused on love and relationships and then adding radical acceptance as a book and, and now, frankly, a movement on top of that is a life, kind of my life's calling, if you will. So it's very passion-driven. And so when I hear you speak so generously about it, it is very gratifying. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so radical acceptance is, I, I like to describe it as a um, simple idea, but a, a really big, important idea. Um, it's essentially learning to love people as they are, as opposed to how you want them to be. It's learning to love without judgment. And in fact, it's learning to replace judgment with compassion and empathy. And in part, what I have found is that it's transformed um, creating and adopting this practice into my own life, which is largely um, woven into the text of the book or the prose of the book. It's transformed my life and I've had innumerable people give that same feedback, go, oh, wow, this is what I've been doing wrong all along, and how liberating it is to go, oh, my gosh, there's such a better way. You know, I, I, and as much as the book is written, it's largely written in this first-person narrative with a lot of thought leadership and a lot of other anecdotes uh, and great data, et cetera, but a lot of it is written about my own marriage, um, and, and yet I give a lot of nods and and in my experience as well as others is that this radical acceptance framework and philosophy works just as well for your relationship with your parents, with your kids, with your friends, with your coworkers, with virtually any important relationship. And, and it's just what I ask people to do is imagine, you know, whether it's that small irritating thing, they're biting their nails or they're doing whatever small thing or, or even the big things. They're not listening to me again. They're um, disagreeing with me. If you can just look at these people that you care about and go, what if they could never change that? Could I still love them? And, and can I give them and myself the great gift of, of learning to love them as they are, and not wanting to try to change them. And in the end, you'll find that, or hopefully not in the end, you'll find that in doing that really almost instantaneously is that it is completely liberating. You go, oh, I can, I can love and accept you right here, right now, as you are. And what I discovered, and in part why it's so transformative, as much as we're looking outward and looking at this other person that's challenging us, right? Because that's, that's why we want to change them. They disagree. They're challenging us. They're not giving us enough love. They're disagreeing with us. Um, they're embarrassing us. Any number of those things that, that push buttons and make somebody, quote unquote, unlovable. What is so beautiful about this practice is one finds out that it's often as much about what we're not accepting in ourselves and that those, some of those old hurts and some of those things that are challenging in ourselves 
that whatever that person is doing is is dredging up. And so what's beautiful about the radical acceptance practice is as I really learn to love my spouse, my mother, my friend, you know, name name any important relationship as they are, I am learning to love myself as I am and learning to understand why it is that I have those pro- um, propensities. You know, why does that, why do I have a knee-jerk reaction? Why do I feel threatened? Um, and, you know, what I always like to say, ultimately, it's about giving the love that you want. And so my, one of my uh, big phrases is that love starts with you, right? And in part, what really motivated this book with my husband, his name is Sanjay, he's from India. Um, and so what we both realized, we loved each other deeply, but neither of us felt loved enough by one another which in a way sounds bananas because there's a lot of chemistry and we respect and admire each other so much. But in that day-to-day experience, I felt like he wasn't giving me the love I wanted or I needed. And my propensity then was to retreat and withdraw. And that would make him, of course, hurt and angry. And so rather than me getting more of what I wanted, I got less of what I wanted, right? Which made me retreat even more. And cue the downward spiral. What I ultimately concluded was the last possible answer, which was, I need to change. I need to quit saying, hey, what's wrong with him? Um, And I need to be the one to step up to the plate and say, he's a wonderful man. And sure, he has his flaws, but so do I. And a lot of my flaws are um, sort of exacerbating his and creating troubles for him. So let me let me not judge. Let me replace judgment of him and his challenges. Try to understand him a little better. Be a little more patient. Be a little more tender. Prioritize him more. And what I ended up getting um, was the, really the marriage that I've always wanted. I have a partner now that is so much more supportive. We have so much more fun together. We feel so much more love and um, togetherness. And it's not by insisting he change but by doing the opposite, by loving him more, by being more patient. And um, in part, so it, it feels in a way miraculous, almost like magic, um, because it is so powerful. But it's, it's not, because ultimately it's about my intention and the work that I did and the love that I brought to the relationship. And he responded positively. And it doesn't mean that we don't still fight or we don't still have our feelings hurt. It still happens. It just doesn't happen nearly with the intensity or frequency as it's happened in the past and as a just equally powerful byproduct is I'm practicing radical acceptance on virtually everybody with whom I have an important relationship. Um, Now, sure, there are certain friends who never push my buttons and they're great and they're, you know, they're perfect. Um, But in some of these other relationships that are harder, rather than going, hey, you know, I can be sarcastic or I can snap back, well, how's that working for me so far? I'll tell you, it's not working for me. It doesn't work when somebody that I love, when I feel like they're being um, kind of clueless and I just want to go, oh, instead I can go, oh, you know, let me explain this a little, a little bit differently. Let me, you know, let me be the one to love and to, to bring that kind of um, loving non-judgment and instead real compassion to the relationship and it just changes everything. It has changed everything. And, and it continues to be a practice for me. Um, you know, I've got 
many years of, of doing it wrong, right, to, to still try to um, undo, right? But, um, but it really, I think, probably my, one of my biggest takeaways and my messages for people listening is we have way more power in how we can conduct our relationships and how we can conduct our lives than I think a lot of us give ourselves credit for. And so it just becomes, as I like to say, that big proverbial inside job. How do I think about these things? How can I take the high road? How can I think about, geez, even if I want to fight back or, you know, my ego is fighting to get out, how can I cut the breath and go, what I say now or don't say or, or whatever action I take or don't take, how is that going to impact me and this person that I care about for the long run? And if the answer is not a good one, if it's, you know, those petty thoughts and those sort of base impulses and desire just to, like I said, fight back or, uh, like get that, that momentary frustration out, that never helps. That's only, I mean, it's like I talk with my, I've got two little boys. We have two little boys, four and seven. And, you know, it's always with them tit for tat. And I have to say to these boys, how's it working for you? Right. You, you hit, he hits back. Right and now, I mean, they're four and seven, like total um, uh, high energy little guys, and you can see that you can see how that that same impulse is um, experienced by so many adults, and even really enlightened, thoughtful, caring adults. How those kind of that feeling of feeling hurt or that that momentary impulse of feeling angry that we are so eager often to um, you know to meet hurt with hurt but it never serves anybody, right? And so this idea of taking the, the, the high road, and the, I like to say both the high road as well as the long road, saying, where do I want this relationship to go? Don't I want, you know, when I look back over my memories and think about how I've served and loved this other person and how we have served and loved each other, how can I facilitate that outcome right now? Um, so that, that's probably a little bit more than you asked about with radical acceptance, but it gives a, a pretty thorough overview. Yeah, I love it. I love what you just said. So reading your book, one thing I just love about your book is how transparent and real you are. And when I read your book, and you were being so real, it made me relate to the book and you so much more. And I love the way that you, you know, shared personal things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I loved it when you were talking about how you and your husband-to-be, because at Mm -hmm. this particular place in the book, you hadn't gotten married yet. You had lived together Mm -hmm. for a few years. You Mm -hmm. were, you know, you were lived together, and, and, and you were planning on getting married, but you still had these doubts and you know you Mm -hmm. had there was a lot of pain and fighting and blame going on sometimes between the two of you and you were just trying to figure it out and wondering is this the right relationship for me and I loved the part in your book where you said you talked to your friend (laughs) about the challenges that you were going through in your relationship and she Uh said something that profoundly changed your approach what did she say to you oh such a such a wonderful um way to tee that up for me thank you so much colette um yeah and this is this is really where the the book takes off that bringing me back to standing there in our apartment on the upper west side quite a long time ago um but i can see it in my mind's eye like it was yesterday so as you rightfully say i was wringing my hands i love her but we fight 
and there's all this goodness, and yet there are all these challenges, and this hurt, and I don't know, and a doubt. And so this friend, Laurel, says to me, she says, Andrea, just love him. And it was like a, like the mist had lifted or the fog had lifted. And, you know, there's this beautiful sunshine that rather than the cloud over my relationship or the fog in our relationship, it was like, all you know, I mean, as we all know, whether they're fog or um, uh, clouds, there's always a sky, a sunny sky above that, right? But our experience is the cloud or the fog, and we forget sometimes that there's that blue sky. So there was suddenly this blue sky and this light, and it was like, because this idea of just love him and quit focusing on what's wrong with him and what's wrong with the relationship, and the idea of really putting love in action, I always describe how love is an action word. Sure, it's important to say it, and it's nice to say it and have it said to us, but what are we doing to love the people that we purport to love? And so it became this really bold, binary, new beginning. And in part, I say binary because it was like we've been living together, and yes, I loved him. But it changed by, by saying, okay, I am committing to just love him. It really changed my thinking, my actions, my energy. I mean, it was like everything within me realigned to this just love him mentality. And in part, it made it easier when he was irritating me and, um, you know, making me feel in, in some ways like I wanted to do those petty things and hit back and, um, you know, withdraw, you know, really make him feel as, as bad as he was making me feel, it at least caused me to pause and go, if, I, if my mandate now and the thing that I want to do and I'm committed to is to just love him, then how are these impulses is that in alignment with the just love him or not? And often it wasn't in alignment. So this idea of just love him and how I thought about our relationship and, and again, sort of this whole alignment, um, what we talked about, and it just it shifted. And it made, it, it made a big difference because there was a true commitment through and through. And this idea of the doubt and the I love him, but that went out of my mind. I said he is a not just a good man, he is a great man, and he deserves better for me. And I, you know, I know I can bring more into this relationship and make it so much better for the both of us. So, and not to say he's over here sitting back and, and you know, not stepping up to the plate. He absolutely did. But let's face it, we're all flawed and imperfect in our, in our own different ways. And what he would say is, I was stepping up but he was stepping up in ways that were different. And in a way, I felt like that's not enough for me. What I want is a little bit different than what you're bringing. But sometimes, you know, I, I joke with um, particularly women. Um, it's like we want a soulmate who is our mirror perfect image, often another woman that we can, you know, sit with for hours and, you know, and talk and feel validated and all those things. And I realize there are some men that do that. We've had some sort of those very inspiring existential kinds of conversations, but that's not how he and I spend most of our time together. Those kinds of conversations are more, much more common with my sister, with a few of my girlfriends. And for a long time, because there wasn't that kind of deep sharing of emotions and and deep sharing of um, stories and, you know, 
it just it felt like I wasn't getting that part of the relationship fulfilled. And then I realized eventually that's, I, I can get that from other people. I don't need that from him. There are so many things that he brings naturally and who he is is so good and so great. And so there was just this maturing that happened with me and it, it you know, it really kicked off with the just love him. But as time went on, what I realized was, you know, and as I examined, well, what doesn't feel fulfilled? You know, what still hurts? You know, in part was, was that maturing? And, you know, looking at my expectations, um, you know, and I, I talk about the just love him, that radical acceptance has five steps. So the first step is just love him or just dump him. Right, and I, I say it in a way that is a little uh, startling, maybe for some, like, well, that feels kind of brash. But the idea is if you can't, I mean, and I'm not saying if you're going on your second date or, you know, anybody needs to rush to this decision, but if you've been with somebody for a decent amount of time, and certainly if you're married to them, if you can't just commit to just love him, I'm going to love you right here, right now, as you are, and not feel like I need to change you, um, if you can't do that, then the answer is clear. Then just dump them, right? Because nobody needs to be your fixer-upper project. And it's not to say everything won't be perfect. And if you're, you've been in a relationship that has challenges, yeah, there may be a lot of work that's required. But if you can't, at least in your heart and your mind and gut, for that matter, um, commit to this idea of, okay, I am just going to love you, then I think you really do owe it to yourself and your partner to go, should we be together? Because if you can't give each other that, then um, I, I would argue you've got a, a very tough future together. That, that is great. And I want to come back and talk more about that. That is one of the first steps that you talk about in your book. We have to take a break now, but everybody stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to hear more from Andrea Miller, author of the great book, Radical Acceptance, The Secret to Happy, Lasting Love. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Second Wind Success, hosted by Jean Garino, is all about helping boomers catch their second wind in business and life. Most of us achieve our greatest success after the age of 50. Life has a learning curve with a few stumbling blocks along the way. As long as you stay committed to your vision and adapt along the way, you'll find the success you're looking for. Tune in to Second Wind Success every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to Making Love with Colette Milan. We'd love to hear from you today with your questions and comments. Please call into the program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to makingloveradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Making Love Radio. I'm your host, Colette Milan. I'm here today with Andrea Miller. Today, Andrea is sharing with us some of her wisdom from her new book, Radical Acceptance. Andrea, your book, um, you talk about five steps to radical acceptance, and you already talked a little bit about the first one, which is mm-hmm. just love him or just dump him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I really like that actually because since I've been really sharing your book, I have women that say, you I mean I just need to just love him, but what if, you know, I mean maybe I'm not supposed to be with him, and that I like the mm-hmm. way that you have that where you go, you know, that you need to figure it out, you know, because yep. if you can't really love him, maybe you do need to dump him so I love the way that you talk about that and you talk about how to love him means that you're 150 percent invested Mm -hmm. in the relationship that you're going the extra mile you're not expecting him to meet you halfway out of the gate Um, and 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 you also talk about trust but tell us a little bit about this um, investing more than you know worrying about what he's investing back Totally, and it's such a great point that you homed in on, and it's it's probably one of the biggest areas of pushback that I get because there's this feeling, I'd say particularly maybe in America, we expect to get what we paid for, and we, mm-hmm. you know, we have so much control in our lives, right? I mean, gosh, thanks to modern media and digital technology, we, you know, we, everything is on command and according to our own schedule. So, in some ways, that's great, but I feel like as human beings, it has... Um, it has in some way done us a disservice. So if we expect we always can have control, then we think, whoa, whoa, if this person isn't meeting me halfway, 50-50 each way, am I a sucker? Am I being Mm -hmm. taken advantage of? And so I I come back to this foundational idea of trust. Are you with somebody who you fundamentally think is a good man or a good woman? In fact, I should um, emphasize, while this book is written in a girlfriend-to-girlfriend conversational tone, it's for everybody. It's for men, it's for women, whatever your sexual orientation is, whatever your race, religion, you know, it's all about um, how we can love each other better and, and frankly make the world a better place through loving each other better. So what I tell women, and I've had to tell myself this at times too, is I trust this person. I'm married to a, a good man, you know, married now in a, 
um, you know, long-term relationship before we got married. And if I do the best that I can, then in all likelihood, there's going to be a really positive outcome. That love is going to beget love. I'm with a good man. And we're going to, you know, march forward together and, you know, build this beautiful relationship. And that is often the case, right? That's generally the case. I hear people again and again, they talk about practicing radical acceptance and how it enhances their relationships. But from time to time, it doesn't work out like that. And my logic is, if you go to the mat, if you have gone 150% of the way, if you have put everything you can into this relationship, even if it doesn't work out, then you will move on with either no or very little doubt in your mind or in your heart that you did everything you could, right? I mean, and so often it's kind of back to this idea of just love him or just jump him. People stay in, in these um, kind of gray areas, this, you know, nebulousness, and wonder what if. Well, what if I would have done more? What if he would have finally, you know, seen the true me and all those things? So this idea of saying just love him and just put your, you know, put your whole heart in, Go 150% of the way, lead the way, and know, because, I mean, let's face it, a lot of people come from broken families. A lot of people have been hurt before. A lot of people don't know. I mean, that's one of the crazy things about having written this book and being on this mission is, frankly, for love being the important, you know, most important thing in our lives, how few of us have really been taught how to love. And so this idea of go 150% of the way, keep going 150% of the way, the far likely outcome is that you're paving the way for a beautiful relationship and, and being, you know, I always talk about leadership because as a female entrepreneur, it's a uh, topic of great interest to me. I think of leadership in a relationship, frankly, probably even more important than leadership in corporate America. Because if, if at home we can be these positive, loving, service-oriented leaders that say, you know what, let me, let me lead, let me lead with love. And it's like you can't help except if you are just, you know, if, if for whatever reason that that person, that partner that we, you know, think we want to be with, they just can't meet us with love, well, then, they, then you know, right? And so I just argue that um, there truly is no downside. The best case scenario is that you're leading with love. You, you have paved the way for a relationship that is so satisfying and that this person feels loved by you and he or she steps up, right? And you've, you've kind of taken their hand and, and, you know, pulled them along with you. And if this uh, display of love and going 150% of the way, if that person can't meet you or doesn't want to meet you there, well, you might be heartbroken, you might be angry, but you'll know. And, you know, mm-hmm. and in that scenario... You are, not gonna, you are not destined to be in a happy, loving, long-term relationship with this person. In any case, if they can't meet your love with love, well, then the, the, um, the alternative is not, I mean, it's in not any kind of relationship I think many of us would want to be in, you know, a relationship where there isn't love and isn't a sense of commitment. So that's why I just feel like there's really, it's like, I think um, Churchill said, the worst kind of government is a democracy, except for every other form of government, right? It's kind of like, you know, <laughs> you think about the logic, like you can't refute the logic. And then, you know, you can just go forward and go, okay, well, this is, well, not only is it good logic, but it feels good. 
And it's, it's really yeah. transformative. I mean, it, you, you change when you do this. It's not just about the other person. It is about you as a human being and your path. Um, and it impacts not just that relationship, your maybe domestic relationship, but it changes how you relate to virtually everybody around you. I had a, one of my um, investors hosted a big event for, for me in the book recently. He says, you know, and half jokingly, but there was a seriousness to it, in practicing radical acceptance is how he's changing how he talks and interacts with the cab driver. We live in New York City. In, you know, the... Um, fast food places or where he gets his coffee in the morning, right? Sometimes they're slow or they're tuned out or they don't like their jobs. He, you know, he has, and I've heard this from so many other people, because of, of how it is such an um, internal process of learning to love that it does um, trans, you know, really transfer from that core, um, maybe romantic relationship to many others. And that's in part why it's so powerful. Yes. Well, so the the second step in your book is called Stop, Reflect, Introspect. Tell us about mm-hmm. that. So this is also very foundational, and the two really go together. So it's this idea of, okay, I've committed to just love him, and, you know, he's too tall, he's too short, he's too hairy, he's not hairy enough, he's too ambitious, <laughs> he's not ambitious enough. I mean, you know, there's a litany of, you know, what we like and what we don't like. In fact, I always talk about how it's easy to love the lovable parts of our partner, right? He's charming and brilliant and handsome. Hard to love the unlovable parts, and that's what needs love the most. And so these five steps really build onto how, you know, people go, okay, great, I like the idea, but how do I do it? So step two, stop, reflect, introspect. That really gets really to the heart of, what am I doing in the relationship? I mean, yes, my, my mandate, step one, is just love him. Now, this next step is a, is a refinement of that or kind of almost a, a, a implementation of that. When I talk about some personal experiences in the book, how I had these massive epiphanies around, whoa, it's not, it's not what he's doing. It's what is my reaction to what he's doing. That's the problem. And... Um, and so the idea is he does something you don't like, he says something hurtful, whatever the case may be, you know, she rolls her eyes and you want to fight back, right? So, so often our instinct and um, propensity is, oh my gosh, I'm, I feel angry, I feel hurt, what am I going to do, you know, in this sort of every action gets an equal and opposite reaction. I say stop, just stop, just notice, notice what is, you know, I mean, I should add that that's kind of the reflect part. Just stop. You know, it's not, nothing good is going to come out of your freaking out. Nothing good is going to uh, come out of your, you know, getting really angry or any, any kind of not helpful emotional reaction. And I'm not saying we should all become automatons. I'm not saying that it's not natural to feel hurt or to feel angry. So this is, this is a little bit of a nuanced set of... of um, ideas here, but the idea is just try not to react, something happens, just try to stop yourself, and then the, you know, stop, reflect, now you go, okay, did he have a bad day, did I have a bad day, is he hungry, am I hungry, is there a kid crying, you know, in the other room that's driving me crazy, you know, did I have a really stressful, whatever, experience, and I'm becoming more reactive than I should be, so this idea of reflecting and saying, you know, let me just, let me take a bigger picture kind of view here. Um, 
And, you know, ultimately I talk a lot, you know, I mentioned a few minutes ago about the trust bit. What's so important about radical acceptance is this idea of giving each other the benefit of the doubt. So if you're with a good guy or a good woman and you trust them, then this idea of really training yourself to give them the benefit of the doubt because, you know, I don't... The idea is that you haven't deliberately chosen to be with a jerk, right? And if they're being a jerk, and let's face it, we can all be jerks, there's got to be some logic. And so this idea of stop, reflect, what have you done? Maybe you did it inadvertently. I mean, what I realized in my relationship, I'm a workaholic, and I don't say it flippantly. I work like a crazy lady. It's hard to be with somebody like me, as passionate as I am, and that is certainly an attractive goal or attractive feature, But it also means we don't go on nearly as many vacations. We don't do a lot of date nights. You know, there are a lot of things that I'm, you know, working instead of sitting on the couch watching Game of Thrones. Now, of course, I've made many, many improvements, but for many years, our relationship suffered greatly. So what I realized in the stop, reflect, and suspect framework is when Sanjay would get mad at me and I would reflect and then ultimately introspect and go, you know, okay, he's, he's said something hurtful, he's done something I don't like, I'm reflecting on it, now I'm taking it one step further, and I'm looking within and going, why does that hurt me so much? Why does that feel so threatening? You know, and not to say, you know, everybody should sit and go, gosh, it happened because of my childhood or my parents. Like, I think we are, you know, as adults, we all need to move forward and, and understand. For the most part, most of our parents did the best they could. Um, but this idea of saying, oh my gosh, I have this propensity, um, because it makes me feel not important or it makes me feel like I was neglected, you know, like that feeling of neglect. And so to tap into those things and go, oh, okay, now I understand that. And whether then somebody decides and then, you know, that gets into radical communication, which I'll talk about, you know, separately as the next step. But this idea of going, okay, I've kind of been able to understand why do I feel reactive? Why do I feel vulnerable? And then being able to do something with that. And whether it's just saying that's not true, because, you know, in my case, I felt, you know, growing up, a lot of times I wasn't important. Now I look at that, that impulse that arises and I go, nope, that's not true. I'm important. And I'm definitely important to Sanjay. So let me, you know, let, you know, when he's doing something that makes me feel not important, let me not react like that's the truth because it's not the truth and you know instead I can be curious or I can you know just have a much more measured way of saying hey well you know gosh that that's kind of hurtful to me or you know whatever whatever is is an appropriate non-threatening response because what I the mistake I kept making and I always like to say Sanjay is a proud Virgo so he if any of you are Virgos listening um, <laughs> you know this idea that you are you tend to be hypercritical I found that out well into our relationship I go oh my god it's him not me right he so he's hypercritical and that drives me bananas and so now you know we'll joke he'll do he'll say something and I'll feel like I'm being criticized you know and and there's a way to diffuse it because of rather than reacting I've trained myself to stop, reflect, introspect, and go, oh, okay, you know, he's just doing what's natural to him. He's a Virgo. He's being critical. <laughs> and, I can, and I'm much more empowered to have a um, productive conversation or to laugh it off or whatever the case may be or even brush it off rather mm-hmm. than the past. Oh, I would frown. I'd stew. I'd, my arms would be crossed. It would change everything. 
don't oh, don't don't you criticize me, sir, right? And then and then there's like not even then conversation's not even possible. Now I go, oh, okay, he's criticizing me. I don't necessarily love it. I mean, nobody loves to be criticized, but I'm so much more able to go. How 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 am I processing that? You know, and and with this whole radical acceptance framework, like. I'm not going to sit here and judge him, right? That's my job is not to judge, but to understand him and to try to respond to him with tenderness and compassion. Um, he's tough on himself too, right? So it's not just he's tough on me. Um, and so yeah. it ends up being very much of a, a process. Yes. Uh, I just I just want to hear more. It's time that we've got to take another break. But don't go away. We're going to be right back with Andrea Miller, author of the book, Radical Acceptance. And when we come back, we are going to talk about radical communication. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Listening to Making Love with Colette Milan. We'd love to hear from you today with your questions and comments. Please call into the program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to makingloveradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Making Love Radio. I'm your host, Colette Milan. I'm here today with Andrea Miller, author of the groundbreaking book, Radical Acceptance. Andrea, tell us about the third step, which is radical communication. Absolutely, yeah. So radical communication is, it, it's really predicated on the idea of, you know, we were talking in the last section, last segment about trust and safety. So the idea is that, you know, that you, you create that safety and trust in your relationship. And I'll talk about a couple of the techniques and you create a way for you to be very truthful with each other and, and to really be seen. 
and heard for who you are. And that can be one of the scariest things as human beings that we can do. But it's also some of the most affirming and powerful in terms of building really meaningful, really loving, uh, really rewarding relationships. And so with radical communication, it starts with trying to throw out, first of all, trying to get rid of your ego, put yourself an ego check. If, if that ego is kind of getting in the way and causing you to act badly, um, that's not helpful. But also getting, kind of really trying to get rid of these um, things, the always and never and um, name calling and some of these things that sabotage relationships. I talk about a lot of that. So it's, it's saying getting, just getting rid of those and ultimately creating the safety and trust. In fact, I talk a lot in the book about the Imago framework developed by Harville Hendricks and Helen Kelly Hunt. And I go through the steps that, that help people and, you know, starting, you know, I won't go through all of them right now, but this idea of finding a safe, neutral space to talk about something and finding ways to have those discussions, you know, and it, Hey, you know, Sanjay, my feelings were hurt when you said this, rather than you said this and you know, you, you, you. So it brings such a, this radical acceptance, uh, rather radical communication chapter is very, very actionable. It gives a lot of techniques for how people can communicate, even the scary, and I would argue, um, especially the scary things that are harder to talk about. Because once you can get those out of the way or you can, um, you know, um, have those out there and not feel like they're hidden, that paves the way for a much more um, intimate and close-knit relationship. I also really emphasize, and I'll be brief here, really emphasize the importance of body language. So often we're making faces, we're crossing our arms, we're not listening. So there's a lot about our body language and how open we are, you know, truly physically to one another and and really slowing down to listen and not just feel like we have to, oh, we've got to get our, our point in. Um, there's a lot that we can do to facilitate connecting through some very, very subtle ways of communicating and some that are, um, you know, much more action-oriented, but it's a powerful way to, to sort of get closer. Yes. Um, step number four, and my assistant was saying, we need to bring you back on and have a whole show around this step number four, which is love all of him even the unlovable parts. <laughs> well, exactly. And as I say, I love that. And thanks for the shout out for that, Kim. Um, that's where I say the rubber meets the road. And right, the idea is that you're paving the way to get here. And if I just started with this, I could see people go, whoa, 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 we're not ready for that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's deliberately this five-step process that starts with the just love him. And, you know, having that commitment in your heart and your mind and you've, you've you know, been practicing stop reflect, introspect, and not being reactive, and now you've been practicing, ideally, these means of communicating and being able to share, you know, take off your own mask and share your truth and creating a safe environment where your partner can really be seen, because let's face it, I I think of that kind of vulnerability is, is one of the greatest existential threats that we all live in. That's rejection. Whoa, if they know the true me, he's going to leave me, right? If he thinks whatever about me, but that's not true. What, what endears us so often is our vulnerabilities and what makes us human and what makes us frail. And so with the love, the unlovable, you know, learning to love the unlovable parts, that's all that work has been done. And now you go 
you're too tall, you're too short, you're too fat, you're too thin, you're too dark, you're too light, you drink too much, you don't drink enough, you're this, you're that, you know, all of those things. You, you look at the person and you go, um, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to understand, you know, where I've, I, I might have a, um, a bad reaction or, you know, I, I have this judgment but I'm not going to let it overpower me. And so I talk in, in the book very practically. In fact, I, I leverage research from Helen Fisher, who is a, just a brilliant biological anthropologist. She's given a number of great TED Talks and best-selling books. And her research is really, it lines up so beautifully, particularly with this chapter, about people who are in love for, the, for a, a long, you know, madly in love, and whether it's for five minutes or 25 years, the brain lights up in three specific areas, there are three things that these people who are in love have in common. And one is being empathetic. Two is practicing um, uh, uh, positive illusions. And three is learning to control themselves emotionally. And so this, this fourth step, learning to love their unlovable parts, I mean, it really builds on this this um, incredible research that Helen Fisher has done, you know, and a lot of those things I've already mentioned in these previous chapters. This chapter is really pulling it together. How can I be, you know, more empathetic and compassionate? Okay, he had a bad day. He had this bad thing happen in his childhood. Whatever the case may be, how can I be more compassionate and empathetic? Similarly, with practicing positive illusions. I love him for X, Y, and Z reason. I mean, with Sanjay, he is very critical, but his being incredibly critical in particular, it serves him as a businessman. It, I mean, there are so many good things that come out of him being hypercritical. My job is to focus on what are those good things that come out of it and not get totally carried away and heartbroken and hurt every time he says something critical to me. And then finally, um, it's back to the stop, reflect, introspect. How can I learn not to react? Okay, he said something, he did something. How can I have that emotional control and learn, you know, he did that thing again. It used to make me crazy, but ha, 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 I have the power now, right? So ultimately what I say is those, you can choose to let those unlovable things make you crazy. Or you can say, I say, you know, sit the bleep down because I'm going to love all this person. And I am going to learn. I won't necessarily love them, but at least I'll be at peace with these things. And that all of these things are, are a choice. And it's just a, you know, kind of a series of steps to help people make the choice. Yes. Boy, Andrea, I have to bring you back. Uh, I just want to tell the audience that Andrea is just touching upon the tip of the iceberg. This book has so much in it. You've got to get the book. I know for me, it's just it's just changed my life. So, Andrea, we just have, yes, we just have one minute left. And so that's just not fair because this last fifth step, I think, I love it the most, which is yeah, you it call it. it all home. It totally brings it home. Yeah. So we only have a minute. And, um, Oh, just a second. Maybe we have a little bit more. Four until the end. Oh, okay. So give us two minutes here. Mm-hmm. On, um, oh, excellent. Or, or maybe one a minute and a half on apply the platinum rule and make him your top priority. Totally. I would love to. And thank you. I'm so glad that we're able to squeeze this in because it really does bring it home. I mean, this whole idea of practicing the platinum rule. And just to clarify, we all practice the golden rule with the best intentions. Treat others like 
you yourself would want to be treated. The platinum rule takes that to a huge, important other level, which is treat others as they want to be treated. So I always like to joke, I do a lot more cooking than I might like to do, but I know that cooking is a way, um, you know, through uh, Sanjay's stomach and into his heart. So the idea is is really do the things that, that, that will make them feel loved and special, but equally, and maybe even more important, this idea of prioritizing our partners. I mean, we are collectively so guilty of taking the people we love for granted, right? And it's like bananas. So we've done the research at your tango. I've seen it, you know, in all the different research, and we all know it intuitively. What makes me mad? I don't feel important. What makes me hurt? I don't feel loved enough, right? Everybody can relate to that. So the idea with the pra- practicing the platinum rule and making your partner your priority is you just step it up. And it doesn't mean you have to spend 17 hours a day uh, cooking for him or, you know, going to the end of the earth. You have to be much more intentional. Touch each other. Be tuned in. To, you know, just really show that love and make the person, you know, that's so important to you. Help them know without any doubt every single day that you really love and value them. Uh-huh. I love that. That is the best ending. Well, I don't want to end this show. Andrea, I'm serious. I want to have you back. But, <laughs> well, thank you, you know, it's just been a great show. And thank you so much for coming oh, thank and you. sharing. Thank you very much. And I want to make sure, you know, I, um, I want to tell our audience your website. And I think it's radicalacceptance.love. Is that right? You got it. Isn't that fun? I love the dot love. It's a little unusual. Yeah, I you too. I was going, Kimberly, are you sure that's it? So, again, yeah. it's radicalacceptance.love. And you've got to read her book. So we'll we'll invite you back on, Andrea. So wonderful. Next, Thank you so much. Yes, yes. Next week we're going to have another fabulous show. I will be the guest on our next show, and I will be talking to you about the frustrations of being in a relationship where you and your partner have mismatched libidos. I will tell you what you can do about that. And in this next show, finally, we will be giving you time to call in and ask questions in this show. So think about the questions you have and seriously consider calling in on our next call. Be sure to visit our website at www.sextherapyutah.com where you can listen to any of our radio shows at your convenience. On our website, you can also find out more about me and my husband, Dr. Mark Malin, and the work that we do to help couples have a better love life. Again, our website is www.sextherapyutah.com. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook. In the meantime, uh, making love really does make more love in your relationship, and real love is essential to great sex. Thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to join your host, Colette Milan, for another edition of Making Love next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great weekend. And remember these two things. Love making really will make more love in your relationship. And real love is essential to good sex. 